One of the things we'll discuss in Prashas Bamidbar is the responsibilities of the Levim and the responsibilities of the Kohanim. When it tells us about the responsibilities of the Kohanim, the Torah says, that they have to safeguard their Kohanship. What exactly does that mean? Rashi says it means that there are certain types of avoid a service in the Mishkan and Beis Amikdash that only Kohanim may do and nobody else. And he then says examples of these, three examples. The question is, why doesn't he just go with a simpler explanation for Shomros Kunasa? Make sure that you as Koyhanim don't wreck your Koyanship by becoming impure or something along those lines. Also, the fact that Rashi gives three examples is very strange. Why Dafka three? And why give examples at all? Why doesn't he speak simply? Why does he put it in the order in which he does? First gives us the examples, and then he says, he says and also, this would apply to any other avoider which was given to the Koyhanim. That's a strange way of speaking. So, we're going to discover that actually that's not really what's bothering Rashi. It's the fact that this pasuk about the role of the Kohanim is inserted in the middle of a conversation about the roles of the Levim, giving us the impression that perhaps there is some leeway over here and perhaps some of these types of avoider could be done by, non- by non-Kohanim. We're also going to see dafka that the Torah uses the expression of Yehatifkoid, which implies that this is a new instruction. And that will help us to get the picture of what exactly Rashi understands to be the pshat of this pasuk and why these specific examples were used because they're the specific examples Rashi is afraid we might have thought are open to other people besides the Kohanim doing. The take-home message is that it's important to have appropriate boundaries in Judaism, not only between the roles of different Jews in the community, but boundaries between us and the rest of the world. The Pasuk says that Aaron and his sons, you should instruct and they should guard or safeguard their Koyenship, and somebody who's a non-Koyen who comes close to serve in the Mishkan, or in the Beis Amikdash, good chas v'shalom die. Pesh Rashi, so Rashi takes out of that whole Pasuk three words, v'sham he takes those three words, that they should safeguard their Koyenship, and he explains that this is what appears to be three examples. Kabolas domim, that they have to make sure that they're the ones who receive the blood after an animal is sacrificed. Uzrika, uh, and they're the ones who sprinkle the blood on the Mizbech, Vehaktorah, and they're the ones who bring the carbon onto the Mizbech. And then he continues with a broader statement, as well as all the other avoiders that are specifically given to the Kohanim. Hainu, so that implies, It's pretty clear that what Rashi is telling us is that the word Kohunosom over here means their responsibilities. And therefore, so therefore when the Torah says that they have to safeguard their kuhuna, it means it's clearly telling us that they then have a responsibility not only to fulfill these different tasks in the Mishkan, but to ensure that nobody who is a non koyen does it instead of them. Whereas the Ebenezra gives what appears to be a simpler explanation. Make sure that you do not desecrate your status as a Koyen. Like marrying somebody you can't or becoming impure, whatever. So the Evan Ezra says that the Pasuk is telling us they have to ensure that they're always in the status of kosher Koyhanim and that they shouldn't do anything which would undermine their status. Now, that seems to be actually the most simple way to explain this. We need to understand. So we have to wonder what prompted Rashi to translate over here the word 
differently to what would seem to be the most obvious. Kuhunasam, if you hadn't read any interpretation, you probably would have assumed it's the Torah telling us, Koihanim, make sure that you preserve your Koihanhood. Rashi's changing that. He says, actually, it means be careful that you ensure that the tasks you are supposed to fulfill are done by you and not by anybody else. How does he get that? Now, you might think that that's because later on in the Pasuk it says, Vahazara Korevuma. So the Pasuk is already speaking about the possibility of a non koyen performing avoide in the, in the Beis Amikdash. But you'll see from the wording of Rashi that that clearly isn't what Rashi intended. So parenthetically, Ve'ein loimar Rashi Don't attempt to answer that the reason Rashi says Kuhunasa means their responsibilities, their roles, is because of the end of the Pasuk that says a non-Koyan who approaches to serve is going to die. Which obviously is speaking about a non-Koyan attempting to do one of the tasks that belongs to the Koyanim. Which would then say, oh, if the end of the Pasuk is speaking about the roles the Koyhanim play, then the beginning of the Pasuk clearly is also talking about their roles, preserve their roles for themselves. Because if that is what Rashi intended, well, then Rashi should have included as part of his title. Remember, one of the rules of Rashi is he always places in the heading what it is that he intends to speak about. At the very least, he should have at least put an etc. to allude to the fact that there's more in the Pasuk which is relevant to our conversation. He does neither. He makes absolutely no hint at the fact that the end of the Pasuk is relevant to this discussion. So that implies that Rashi doesn't believe it is relevant to this part of the discussion. And the truth is that at face value, according to Pshat, there is no reason to link the beginning and the end of the Pasuk. They could very well be two different instructions. Instruction to Koyhanim, Veshomru, you need to preserve your Koyhanhood, whatever that means. Separate instruction, if you're not a Koyhan, don't mix in. So, why does Rashi want to change from what would appear to be the most obvious translation of Kuhunasam as their status, and instead say Kuhunasam means their tasks, their roles in the Beis HaMikdash? We also need to understand, once we're discussing the heading of Rashi, and why he leaves out those words, because Rashi only includes in his headline the word or words that he needs to interpret. Surely over here the only word he needs to interpret is Kuhunasam. So, Why did Rashi include in his heading those additional words? Why doesn't he just bring the word he wants to explain? Kuhunasam. So, on the one hand, it seems that Rashi is deliberately left off part of the Pasuk as if to say that's not relevant to this conversation. On the other hand, he's inserted words which we don't see having a direct connection to what he's explaining, the meaning of the word kuhunasa. So, it would appear then that what Rashi is doing for us is he wants to give us examples. At first glance, you look at Rashi and you think, It would appear that the fact that Rashi said specifically receiving the blood, sprinkling the blood, and bringing the, the animal onto the Mizbeach, that would seem to be that Rashi is giving us examples. These are examples of the kind of thing that only a Koyen may do and nobody else. 
Except that that will raise three questions for us. Firstly, the first question actually has three parts to it. Question number one is, If Rashi's goal is to say that there are certain avoidos that only a Kohen may do, why give us so much detail? Why does he have to bring any examples? Rashi could have just said the last part of his statement. Any avoider which has been handed to the Kohanim is an avoider that only a Kohen may do. Why give examples? Now, you might say, oh, I know why he gave these examples, because there are other avoiders that happen before that that may be done by a non-Koyen, like shechting an animal. You could have somebody who's a non-Koyen shecht an animal, and Rashi wants to tell us it's only after receiving the blood and on that it's Kohanim only. Well, then Rashi should have used an expression that he used way back in Chumash Vayikra, where he used the expression, from when the blood is received and onwards, is the responsibility of the Kohanim. That still does not explain to us why he had to give individual examples. And Gimel. And if for Whatever reason it is, Rashi felt that we had to have examples. Why three? Give us one example, and we'll understand. Say Kabbalah Saddam, and then we'll understand that from there on, it's been handed over to the Kohanim. So our first big question is, why does Rashi include so much detail in something that ostensibly should have been quite straightforward? Question number two, the way he puts this all together seems backwards. It's weird. He first gives three examples, and then he says what appears to be the overarching concept, any avoider, which is the responsibility of the Kohanim, is for Kohanim only. Logic says that the, it should have been presented in the opposite order. Surely, first you present the general message, any avoider which belongs to the Kohanim, only Kohanim may do, and then you add afterwards the details. For example, this avoider, that avoider, the next avoider. And thirdly, the Gimel, Gimel Ve'iker, probably the biggest question in the wording of Rashi is, Everybody agrees that receiving the blood, sprinkling the blood, bringing the animal on the Mizbech, those are avoidos that had been handed to the Kohanim. So then why say, and avoidos given to the Kohanim? It should have said, the language should have been, as well as any other avoider that had been given to the Kohanim. So the wording of Rashi is very unusual. So therefore, scrap the idea that we originally had, that Rashi is using examples in order to illustrate a general point that work of the Kohanim is for Kohanim only. Instead, Rashi is highlighting that there are two categories of work that we're discussing over here. Aleph, category one is, The first category is, Receiving, sprinkling the blood, and putting the animal on the Mizbech, which were not, for whatever reason, which we'll see later in the Sicha, were not only given to the Kohanim, and then, and then there's a second category, 
avoider which was given specifically and uniquely, exclusively to the Kohanim. Now, when you read it this way, you're going to have even bigger questions. Vetamua. That sounds incredibly strange for two reasons. Rashi has already told us clearly at the beginning of Pashas Vayikra that from when they receive the blood, everything after that is 100% the role and responsibility of Koyhanim. How can you possibly suggest that Rashi feels that those three key elements, which definitely have to be done by Kohanim, are not avoidos given to the Kohanim? Why would he say something like that? Let's say, for whatever reason, we can actually argue that those three specific roles are not unique to Koyhanim. Well, then it really makes no sense. Then how did Rashi know that these are in fact things that Bashamru, the Kohanim, have to safeguard to make sure only they do and doesn't get handed to anybody else? Make up your mind. Either these are avoiders, in which case you didn't actually have to tell me because I know it from before, or they're not avoiders, in which case, why is Rashi so absolutely sure? that only a Kohen may do them. Something doesn't seem right here. So, the reason, that, or the explanation behind all of this is as follows. As I mentioned earlier, it, it, it has to do with context. The unusual thing about this Pasuk is where it is. And the unusual thing about this Pasuk is the word that is used, tifkoit. So what does that mean? Let's start first. How Rashi knows that he's not satisfied with Evan Ezra's approach to say kuhunasim just means generically they need to preserve their status as kohanim, but rather it means specifically there is something that they have to do only as kohanim and make sure nobody else does. Where does Rashi get that from? Because so Rashi says, because pay attention to what the Pasuk is saying over here. The Pasuk is saying that the Kohanim, Aaron and his sons, are about to be instructed with some new responsibility. Go back to the beginning of this Pasuk and have a look at how Rashi explains the word Tifkoid in this Pasuk. He says it is an appointment that Aaron and his sons are being appointed to a particular position. If all you're going to say, like the Evan Ezra suggests, is that Hashem is telling Moshe to warn the Kohanim not to desecrate their own Kehuna, that's not new. We know that already. And that there's no new role that they have to undertake here. We already know that a Koyen has to make sure that he remains a Koyen, doesn't become Tome, doesn't get a Mum, doesn't marry out. All of that information was provided already in Pashas Emor. So Tifkoid is a key word over here because Tifkoid tells us that at this moment, some new information, some new layer of responsibility is shared with the Koyanim. We need to know what it is. So we can't just say, oh, be sure that you don't undermine your kahuna. That's not good enough. We know that already. It's not tifkoit. 
ולכן פירש רש"י, שתוכן התפקיד החודש הוא, השמירה שלא יעבוד זור בעבוד הסמסורס לכהנים. Therefore, Rashi says, from the, from the word tifkoid, we are alerted to the fact that the kohanim are now given new information, that they have to ensure that any person who is not a kohen does not step into any of their roles. In other words, the entire pasuk is one instruction. We thought there was a possibility that the pasuk is referring to two instructions. One to the kohanim, to guard their kahuna, the other to a non-koyen not to get involved. Turns out that the whole pasuk is one continuum. Koyhanim make sure that only you do your avoida and that no non-koyen gets involved. Now we understand why Rashi's headline was not just the word kuhunasam. We thought that all Rashi needed to do was to define what kuhunasam means. But it's not correct. Rashi needs to show us that they're being given a new instruction, and that new instruction relates to the word kuhunasam, which is why kuhunasam cannot just simply mean be sure that you stay as healthy koihanim. So therefore, he adds the words v'shamru es into the headline to teach us, because v'shamru es is an instruction and an appointment. The reason Rashi includes those words v'shamru es is because that is his entire shitta approach to this particular pasuk. There's a new instruction. What's the instruction? V'shamru es kuhunasam. Don't just be sure, like we already know from Emor, that you don't become Tomei or a Cholol or whatever. This is Vashamru. You now actually have to, have to actively do something about your service to make sure nobody else steps in. Now, what Rashi wants to do is not only address what the specific new information that Aaron and his sons were given, but Rashi also wants to tackle a bigger question or a, a, an additional question that uh, affects the entire context of this section. Rashi is bothered by the fact that prior to this Pasuk and following this Pasuk, the Torah speaks about the Levim, their role and their appointment. So Rashi says we have to then address the question, why are we now discussing the role of a Koyen in the middle of a conversation about the roles of Levim? Rashi says there are other places where this Pasuk would have fit better. For example, earlier in the parasha when we identify who the Koyhanim are, that'd be a great time to say, and this is what they do. So Rashi says we also have to consider why the Torah deliberately stuck this instruction that the Kohanim have to make sure they fulfill their avoider and no non-Koyan does their avoider. Dafka in the middle of a conversation about Levim. What's the Torah telling us over here? What's it telling us? 
מזה מובן שמנהלים את לעיל אוידס אבידס הלווים, היו מוכרים להסיק שזור מותר באבוידס מסוים במשכון ובמקדש. The thing that the Torah wants us to know is, oh, I see the Levim also have a role to play in the Mishkan of the Beis HaMikdash. Maybe they can do some of the Avoidos that we thought were exclusively for Kohanim. Now that we're seeing the Levim have a role, we might have thought to expand their role. So immediately the Torah has to tackle that and say, ah, uh-uh, don't think that now that we're giving Levim a role in the Mishkan, it means that they can take any of the roles of the Kohanim. No, no, we'll clarify that right now. Only Aaron and his sons and their descendants can fulfill the roles of Kohanim in the Mishkan. Now, why would you have thought that the Levim might be able to do some of these roles? And why do we have to be told this? So let's take it a little deeper. Earlier on, we were told that the overriding responsibility that the Levim have is effectively to, respect, to, to represent the Jewish nation in the Beis HaMikdash, at that time in the Mishkan. So Pirish Rashi, Rashi already told us on that, that Pasuk that they have Mishmeres B'nei Yisrael, they have this re- representation of the Jewish people. He says, Shekulon, that technically every single Jewish person is responsible to play a role in the Beis HaMikdash. It's just that the Levim become their representatives on their behalf. But by rights, we all should be involved in running and participating in the avoidance of the Beis HaMikdash, or at that time the Mishkan. Now that Rashi has illustrated to us that the Levim represent us in the Beis HaMikdash, you could have then extrapolated that and thought, that if there is any kind of avoida that non-Koyhanim, or for that matter non-Levim, ever performed with regards to Karbonos, we'll clarify just in a moment or two what that is, then Mutorois, then perhaps now it is possible or maybe more than possible, maybe it is required that the Levim should do those things. So, if an ordinary Jew could once upon a time have brought a korban, let's just say, and now there's a Mishkan, so now there are rules, and the Levim are supposed to represent the ordinary Jew, well, maybe the ordinary Jew thinks, I used to be able to bring a korban beforehand, now the Levi is my representative, he should bring the korban on my behalf. That's why we would have thought that maybe the Levim could take some of the roles of the Kohanim. And that's what the Torah has to clarify for us here. That's why Rashi didn't just say generically that anything which the Kohanim have to do, nobody else may do. He specified examples because these are examples of the kind of thing you might have thought the Levim could actually do on your behalf. Namely, Kabbalah's Domim, receiving the blood of a carbon, Uzrika, sprinkling the blood onto the Mizbech, Ve'aktorah, and sacrificing the animal. Why those things? Because those are three areas of carbon offerings that ordinary Jews had done previously themselves. And so in their minds, they think, I used to be able to do it. The lady is my representative. Maybe he should do it on my behalf now. 
וממילא יש מוקים להבאמינא שאתה אויסים אויסון הלווים תחתיהם בשליחוסם. That's why now the person could think in their mind the lady as my representative should be doing those specific avoidos in the Beis HaMikdosh. And that's why the Torah immediately had to quell that suggestion and say, no, only a Kohen has to safeguard the role of the Kohen, so only a Kohen can do those avoiders. Rashi doesn't stop there, even though that's really what he's addressing. While he's about it, he includes another category as well. And those avoiders that were never given to anybody else, never in history did anybody else do them except for the Kehanim. Those avoiders that right from the get-go, when they were first introduced, they were introduced as the responsibility of the Kohanim. And therefore, so therefore would never enter your mind that a Levi, and certainly a non-Levi, should ever do those avoiders. Still, because due to the, the nature of this section of the Torah, this is where we had to, uh, uh, we had to tackle the question of whether a Levi could do certain of these avoidos. Move on. It's natural that once we're talking about the fact that Kohanim have to be the ones to fulfill their role, and they may not delegate to a non-Koyen, so it makes sense that we should be talking then about every avoider that they have. And that would obviously include other avoiders that were from the get-go specific and exclusive to Koyhanim. And in fact, it's only logical that that would be the case. So what's Rashi telling us over here? Seeing as the conversation is around Levim, and seeing as Levim represent the Jewish people, and seeing as the Jewish people at one point in their lives had done certain avoiders, they might have then incorrectly thought that the Levim can now do those avoiders on their behalf. The Torah has to tell us immediately that's not true Kohanim are the only people who can do these avoiders oh and by the way while we're about it obviously you realize then that if there's an avoider that nobody else ever did before and it's exclusively to Kohanim it would be a terrible thing for somebody else then to try and take that role so here's the question where do we have precedent that the Jewish people would have done those things Kabbalah, Stamim, Zrika and Akhtara that they would now think the Levim should represent them where do we have this incident, this time in history where Jewish people did those avoiders? Which would have precipitated the thinking that actually I still have some rights to that particular role and the Levi as my representative should now be doing it. In a mefereh adava b'pshutoi shel mikra b'parashas boy, you do not have to look into any major intellectual shenanigans. It's clear a pasuk or a series of psukim in parashas boy. What happens in parashas boy? V'tzibur amar b'karben pesach b'mitzrayim. Every single Jewish person, regardless of koyen levi or Yisrael, was instructed to bring a korban when the yidden was still in Mitzrayim. It was called a korban pesach. And what happened? Firstly, they had to take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts. Then then they had to roast the lamb in a very specific way that was mandated by the Torah. Which shows us that the Jewish people were responsible for three things that are effectively three types of avoida later to be done in the Mishkan and Beis Amigdash. Namely, Aleph, 
The first thing is the Torah says very clearly they had to take some of the blood. Rashi there tells us taking the blood means that they fulfilled the role of Kabbalah's Domim, taking blood as you would from a korban in the Beis Amikdash. Then Beis Venos Nugemim came Avoida. Then they had to place that blood onto the doorposts, which is a taste of placing the blood on the Mizbeach, so that is Zrika. And then, And the fact that the term mandated exactly how they had to burn and roast the animal, that emulates the idea of bringing an animal on the Mizbeach. So in their minds... Before there was a Mishkan, and before there were the specific rules of the Mishkan, here was a Korban that they all participated in, in those three areas. Accepting the blood, placing the blood on its, uh, on its destined uh, place of, uh, uh, intended place of, uh, what do you call it, of placing it, and roasting the meat. So therefore, it was possible that they could have thought in their own mind, that the Korban Pesach, through the course of the rest of history, which is obviously very similar to the original Pesach they made when they were still in Mitzrayim, which is why we learn many of the detailed laws of how the carbon Pesach works from Pesach Mitzrayim, Matzah Samoror, etc. As Rashi himself explains in Parashas Boy. So therefore, they would have thought, they would think, any thinking person would say, just like the original Korban Pesach was the purvey of every single Jewish person, every Korban Pesach through the whole of history is somehow personal. It's mine. It's my responsibility. And seeing as I'm not allowed in the Mishkan, but the Levim are my representatives, they should do those things for Korban Pesach for me. Therefore, the Torah immediately has to say, ah, don't even think that. Don't even go there. It's a great logical basis, but it isn't the halacha. The halacha is, koihanim are the only people who can serve in the Beis HaMikdash. That's it. Even those Abayda said, you once upon a time had a very personal connection too. Things have changed. We now have a Mishkan, we now have a Beis HaMikdash. We have different rules. You'll say, one second, you told me that in Parashas Vayikra, Rashi had already made it clear that from the time of receiving the blood, it's 100% in the realm of Koyhanim. So why are we even thinking or imagining over here that there's a possibility that Levim should have to or be allowed to bring a, a carbon or, or do some of the avoid of the carbon on behalf of the Jewish people? Because you would say, well, that's talking about a korban oila, or maybe even a chatas and osham, which are spoken about over there in the beginning of Ayikra. But we don't have any explicit pasuk anywhere up until this point that says the Korban Pesach, or for that matter, Maise Behemah, which is often similar to the Korban Pesach. We don't have any clear teaching that only a Kohen may bring those Korbanos. So you would have thought, you see, the Torah did not specify, and I have a Kesher personal connection to that avoider because I did it, and now the Kohanim, sorry, the Levim represent me, they should be the ones to be bringing it. So therefore, the Torah says, let's be clear about this. Avoidas koihanim belongs only to the koihanim. 
That's a Bashamaris Kuhnasam. It's a new instruction. I cannot translate it just simply that we have to make sure Kohanim are respectful of their Kuhuna. Firstly, we already know they're from Emor. Secondly, this is a clear new instruction. What is the instruction? To make sure that the avoiders that are done by Kohanim are only done by Kohanim, including those that we feel a personal connection to and we feel that the Levim should be able to represent us. What's the lesson for us? Hayrom is Hashem. It's a major gufa. What if the Torah, when dealing with different types of Jews, where all Jewish people fit into the category, as we'll read on Shavuos, of Mamleches Koyhanim, we're all in a certain respect like Koyhanim. And yet, there is such a clear and obvious distinction between different types of Jews. Even those types of avoider in the base Amigdash, which Jewish people, ordinary people, have a natural affinity to and connection to. They are the things that are be done, being done in the base Amigdash on their behalf. You bring in the current Pesach on my behalf. And look how clear the Torah is. Don't mix, don't cross boundaries. A person who doesn't belong in the Mishkan Beis HaMikdash goes there. It could be devastating. So here's a person who thinks, I want to be in the base. I mean, it's going to add Kedusha to my life. And what do we get told? Not only will it not add Kedusha to your life, it could destroy everything. So if the Torah is so clear about the distinctions between Koy and Levi Yisroel, how much more clear does the distinction need to be between us and the nations of the world? That if somebody should try and mix in an individual into the Jewish community, somebody who is a real stranger, who hasn't undergone a proper gear. Realizing that, you know, maybe it's going to put us into some kind of a danger, but we'll be good to them. As people often say, you know, we need more Jews. So what happens is you think that you're doing the person a favor by inviting him into the Jewish community. If you don't have that clarity, you don't have that boundary, you start to fudge what is considered gear. The direct result is not only harm to those around the person, but the most grievous harm to the person himself. Dafka, when we do not interfere with the boundaries that the creator of the world made, I mean that there's a distinction between us and other nations. Only when we respect Hashem's boundaries, then only that can bring real peace and real goodness to every single human being. But trying to blur the lines between genuine Judaism and some kind of a quick fix conversion or inclusion of people who are not part of the community is not good for anybody. It's a very powerful lesson, obviously.